And then the psalmist says this. Lord, teach me your way that I may walk in your truth. Let me worship your name with undivided heart. I shall praise you, Lord my God, with all my heart and give honour to your name forever. And so we sing all my days. Father in heaven, in this new day, in the blue sky and the warm sunshine, in the love that we have for you and for our Lord Jesus, for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that breathes amongst us and within us and brings us together in worship and service together as your church. We pray, Father, that you, in all your indescribable and uncontainable power, will come and meet with us as we meet with you and our Lord Jesus in sharing bread and wine this morning. Fill us up this morning, we pray, so that we might leave as we began singing of you all our days. Amen. Dave Webborn has got news and announcements and all our plans for our activities today and for the next few days and weeks ahead. Good morning, everyone. These are our announcements for the coming week, and I pray that God will bless all the things that we do here in this church. I'd like to, to welcome a number of visitors. Uh, we've got Tom and Mary. We've got Barbara, uh, Tim and Sue, a.k.a. Mum and Dad, um, David, Emma, and James. Is this your first week back up here? Excellent. Welcome back. Um, we're going to spend some time thinking about members of our church and people elsewhere that are in particular need of our care and God's um, as well. I have some care news, first of all, from Elaine. It says, hopefully Patricia is here this morning, which she is, and it's really nice to see you. Um, Patricia, we know you've been up and down lately, so really pleased to see you and obviously we'll continue to pray for you and hope that you'll be here as often as you feel that you can. Norman and Margaret are slightly better this week after their falls last week. Norman says it's all his fault and he is happily under command from Margaret, who came off worse. Um, they're coping okay, but would appreciate contact. Norman and Margaret provide a lot of care and support for Pauline, but as they are unwell themselves at the moment, they are unable to do that. Also, Derek and Rosie and Andrew and Sheila are away at the moment, and they would also normally be in contact with Pauline. So if anybody here or that you know feels happy to contact Pauline, that would be really appreciated. Thank you. Um, anybody able to um, either break bread with Steve Proven or go and visit him, that would be really great. And can you speak to Steve Gillingham, who's here this morning? Um, we also think about Ian and Gladys and Marion and Anne Curtin and all our other members who struggle with their health. Pray that God will provide comfort and strength they need each day. Um, and remember to um, people like John Bonani, who is a long way away from us and still um, in difficult circumstances and feeling quite isolated as well. Before we spend some time in prayer together, is there anything else that we should pray for or about? Let's stay seated. Let's um, bring.
bring our own minds and our hearts before God in prayer as we think about all these people together. Father in heaven, this is your time. This is time that we have given to you and make holy to honour and glorify your name. But it is also our time, Father, and as your children we bring before you all these different people and their different needs and circumstances. We think about people like Marion and Gladys and Issa and Ian that we see infrequently, if not at all. We think about people like Patricia, who we don't see very often, Father, but we rejoice that she's here with us this morning. And we thank you that she's here to share this time with us and with you. Father, we've been asked to pray for Joan and her children, for Simon, for Norman and Margaret, for people in different ways who are troubled in mind and body who are afflicted in different ways, but who are equally known and deeply loved by you. Father, we think about all those university students moving away from home for the first time, starting new courses, starting another year's study. We pray particularly, Father, for Sam and Beth, who have been so much a part of our life at church for so long, and pray that what we've given them in that time will be enough, enough to keep them close to you and to give them a rich and happy and fulfilling experience in whatever they do. And Father, we think about our own world. We think about arguments and conflicts and disagreements about nationality and nationhood. Whether here in Scotland or in the Ukraine or in the Middle East or wherever else in the world those take place. We pray, Father, for those you've given to be in positions of leadership and authority who can make decisions that will impact those situations. And we pray that the way they act might bring about the work of your kingdom in this earth. And as we pray, Father, we pray for ourselves. We pray for all the things that we carry each day. Our hurts and our struggles, our pain, our disappointment, our grieving and our loss. But also the rich joy of all the good things that you give us. 
the power of your kingdom life within us and hope. A hope that you will resolve all the cares and hurts that we carry, that the people we've prayed about carry. And we pray that we might see that reality in all its fullness soon. Amen. As in our prayer, and so often in the Psalms, that cry goes out. Hear my prayer, O Lord. So I think let's stay seated and let's sing this song together. Hear my prayer, O Lord. From the ends of the earth I cry. Your peace will lead me to the rock that is higher than I So it's my great pleasure to ask my brother, brother-in-law, to come and encourage us from God's word. Okay, so I was just having some conversations beforehand, um, and the question was, had I ever spoken here before? And I'm not sure I know the answer to that. So does, does anyone else, have I spoken here before? <laughs> no, no. If not, it's a great pleasure <laughs> to be here with you for the first time. Um, yeah, so it's probably an indication of my distracted mind at the moment, but um, life's been quite busy. Um, we've, had, we've moved house a couple of times in the last nine months. Um, I've just, in the last few months, finished a degree whilst also um, starting a new full-time job. And uh, my wife Mary's also had a new job, so it's... Uh, Yeah, it reminded me of that parable of Jesus um, about the wedding banquet. Uh, All those excuses about um, putting off coming to the banquet because of uh, a new wife or a new cow or a new field and other commitments and excuses. And in, in some sense, I feel like my life has been a little bit like that, that all these things going on have have put spiritual growth on hold somewhat. Um, Fortunately, having to prepare for a talk does somewhat force you to stop and think and take stock of your life a little and think about rebuilding some of these neglected spiritual disciplines that have fallen by the wayside during these busy times. And I found a number of resources quite useful Um, alongside the Bible to help bring my focus back to what's important in life. Um, One thing that's been a great help has been a book by William Barclay, which is a collection of 30 prayers for morning and evening. Um, And they've just been really invaluable for those times when life's just too hard and you, you feel like you can't pray to God using your own words, and he just has some really great, well-thought-out and eloquent ways of thinking about things that you just can't think about when you're stuck in the moment. He thinks about wider circumstances when you're just thinking about your day-to-day, and that, that's been a real uh, aid and an oasis for us during this busyness. But... That's not 
the inspiration for today's talk. Um, what was the inspiration was um, a little scrap of card that I found in a box at home, which had the words, a few lines of the words of Psalm 86 on it. Before we get to that, who here is feeling really energetic this morning? Okay, who's not feeling very energetic? Who's not even energetic enough to put their hand up? <laughs> right. Well, sorry to the one person who is energetic. Um, we're going to have a slow and meditative morning this morning when we're going to do some reflection, um, which looks like it suits the majority. And to do this, I want to keep a fairly narrow focus on the psalm that Richard picked from this morning, Psalm 86. Um, so it might be good if you have Bibles in front of you to turn there. I think traditionally in the Christadelphian community, um, there's been a tendency to turn to academic rigor and deep study, linking lots of Bible passages together to build up a a solid picture of truth. But today I want to take a different approach. I'd like us to look at just this one passage and by looking at it in lots of different ways, see what practical things we can learn from it. I found it amazing whilst I was preparing this talk to see from just a few verses how many different things you can pull out and I'm sure you'll find things that I haven't. Asking questions like what's the, what was the right of feeling? What pressures were they under? And how do those pressures link to the pressures that we're under now? What could, what could these words mean for us today? Now, some of you will be familiar with the biblical scholar Paula Gooder. She has um, spoken a little bit about getting more out of the Bible. And um, one very simple suggestion she had was just read it slowly and deliberately. Pretty profound stuff, yeah. Um, but this, this can be harder than it sounds because we get so accustomed to the words that we think are there and we get accustomed to the sound of the version that we normally read from a particular translation. And we can often assume we know what's coming and stop really listening to what's actually written there. So to counter this difficulty... She suggests occasionally reading short passages in a very different version that's less familiar to you. So today I've asked for our reading of Psalm 86 to be taken from the King James Version. And I think Joe's going to do that for us. Psalm 86. Bow down thine ear, O Lord. Hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy. O thou, my God, save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful unto me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, O Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. 
Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and to glorify thy name. Thou art great, and dost wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name for evermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud have risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me and have mercy upon me. Give thy strength unto thy servant, and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou, Lord, hast helped me and comforted me. I think we can all agree that um, the King King James Version is quite a poetic one and um, can bring a little something different to, particularly to the Psalms. You could feel some of David's anguish in, in the words that he wrote there. So that's our first way of looking at things differently. Try a different version, something that you're less familiar with. Now this, we know that Psalms are songs and this particular one tells us right at the beginning that it's also a prayer. And it's perhaps not a surprise then that a handful of our hymns in our hymn books Um, take inspiration from this sung prayer, including Praise the Lord 86, which we'll be singing a little bit later. And singing is our second way of approaching Psalm 86 differently. Songs, along with stories and pictures, are great ways of teaching truth and powerful memory aids. Of course, it's important that we think about the words that are written in the songs we sing, and to think critically about them. For example, some Christmas carols, if we took them at face value, would have us believe that Mary rode to Bethlehem on a donkey and that three kings brought Jesus' presence. And whilst these things may have been true, we can't be sure from the biblical record um, so it's it's worth bearing in mind that um, just because it's written in a song doesn't make it automatically right. Um, but when we look at Psalm, uh, praise the Lord, 86, the words are fairly closely taken from a number of scriptures. And that's perhaps why some songwriters prefer to take their words directly from the word of God, or a translation of it at least. If you happen to have a praise the Lord to hand, 
I'd like to just take a closer look at two of the praise the lords that are based on this psalm. And the first one is praise the Lord 106. Teach me thy way. And that comes from verse 11 of the Psalm 86, where it says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. And these six words are expanded on by considering all aspects of life in which we could valuably learn to do things God, God's way, rather than following our own instincts. This song is a call to pray for guidance before we act. In the way it's structured, it echoes uh, two things that I could think of. Firstly, Ecclesiastes 3, which talks about there being a time for all things under heaven. And also traditional marriage vows that talk about things like being there for each other for better or for worse, in sickness and in health. This song talks about God being there in doubt and faith, failure and success, rain and heavenly light. It also speaks of perseverance, of the desire to lead a faithful life until the very end, until the race is run and the journey's done. This expands and says much more to us than those simple words Teach me thy way, O Lord. Turning back to Praise the Lord 86. O Lord, give me an undivided heart. This too is based on that same verse 11 of the psalm. And the hymn picks up a similar theme of learning ways taught by God, but looks at them in a different, at a different takes it from a different angle. And quoting, it says, give me an undiminished love, an undefeated faith. To do what you do, to imitate God and Jesus, and to walk in God's truth. The key takeaway from this song is the emphasis on God rather than on ourselves. That line, to see less of me and much more of you. It reminds us of our humble position before God. So in the spirit of trying to reflect, I encourage you to take a little time to think about the words of our remaining songs today when we get to them. So the first thing we looked at was looking at the Bible from a different angle by considering using different versions to greater effect. The second way was looking at our hymns and seeing how they can help encourage us spiritually. And the third way I, could th I thought of was trying a paraphrase. This is slightly different from using a different version because my suggestion is, have a go at paraphrasing for yourself. 
you might not have really got a lot out of the King James Version of Psalm 86 we read earlier. So I hope this provides a complete contrast. A dramatic rendering where I've deliberately put in some of my own interpretation, which you may or may not agree with. But the aim is to make you reflect rather than to get wholehearted agreements from my audience. It's a challenge to make us all think more deeply about the words in front of us on the page. See how they're relevant to us here today in 2014. So if you've still got Psalm 86 open, you should be able to follow this fairly easily, whatever version you're in. This is my prayer. God, you are up high, and I am unworthy and helpless. A servant trying to do the right thing, help, hear me, save me, I beg you each day. I'm offering you everything, if you'll only flood my life with joy. I know what you're like. You're a merciful and forgiving God when people cry out to you. So be like this to me. Hear my prayers and be merciful as I cry out to you now. When I have difficulties, I'm confident you will come good. You're the best by far, and what you achieve is without equal. You made everyone, and in worship, they will all come and give your name glory one day. You are great and do great things. No one else is God. Because of this, I want you to teach me your way. Then I'll be empowered to walk in your truth. Make me single-minded to revere your name. I'll do this by praising you and your name with my whole being and forever. In your mercy and love, how much you have already done for me, raising me to new life. There are those who do not care about you, who in their pride want to knock my confidence or even destroy me. But I remember your words to Moses that are still true for me today. You are that compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Fulfill this promise in me now. Forgive and strengthen me. Prove your salvation in me by giving a sign that not even those who hate me for loving you can mistake. It is a great comfort to me that you have helped and will always help me. Prayer is the nurse of spiritual joy. This short sentence was penned in reference to this psalm by a commentator called Matthew Henry and is a mini-exhortation on its own. Prayer is the nurse of spiritual joy. Why do we neglect the gift of prayer we've been granted, which is, has power to flood our lives with joy?
There's one verse in that paraphrase where you may think I took a particular liberty. It may not be this one. (laughs) In your mercy and love, how much you have already done for me, raising me to new life. I chose these words carefully and deliberately because they resonated with me at the time of writing, relating to a friend who had recently chosen to be baptised in his late 20s. At another time, I'd probably have chosen quite different words, but they seemed so fitting. One of my favourite films, The Shawshank Redemption, has a character who has been in prison for decades. He's become institutionalised and against his will, he's released back into society. And whilst he's been in prison, cars have been invented. And he says something to the effect of, the world went and got itself in a big old hurry when he's released. It sometimes feels to me like my spiritual life is getting steamrolled by the world in its big hurry. One tactic which may work for you that I've tried for combating this is using an audio Bible on my commute to work. I find that sometimes this just washes over me and within about five minutes of starting work it's all forgotten. But it may work for you. What I need is a way of getting more from less in a busy life. Quantity of Bible audio is no substitute for quality of God time. One thing I can offer is a technique for slowing down and considering shorter passages of scripture. And for this... We must return to that little scrap of card which contained these words. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. Teach me your way, O Lord. And so on. I spent about five minutes reading and rereading these words, putting the emphasis on different words. Then something struck me. Teach me your truth that I may walk in your way, was what I'd expected to read. But what is written is the other way around. Teach me your way that I may walk in your truth. It may seem... A subtle and trivial difference. But perhaps each of us has at some stage 
got so wrapped up in seeking truth that we've lost our way at one time or another. Church history is certainly littered with examples of people professing truth, yet acting horrendously. Nick Page, who is a humorous author-cum-historian of a book called A Nearly Infallible History of Christianity, provides one example from the year 499. He writes, One of the many warring tribes in Europe was the Franks. Their rather spicy leader, Clovis, married a Burgundian princess called Clotilda. The Burgundian tribe were Orthodox Latin Christians, and Clotilda recommended that Clovis apply immediately. Clovis refused, but then, like soldiers before and since, he found himself in the middle of a battle that was not going so well. So he prayed, O Jesus Christ, Clotilda tells me you're the son of the living God. If you give me victory, I will be baptized and follow you. Terms and conditions apply, or words to that effect. Jesus, who by now appears to have become a huge fan of warfare, answered his prayer and the Franks won. Now, Nick Page's commentary of this event is intentionally tongue-in-cheek. He's acutely aware that this is the same Jesus who disarmed Peter by healing the ear of the high priest's servant. And hence also the Jesus who influenced the first Christians to be pacifists. But people genuinely thought that killing even other Christians who disagreed with them about things like the nature of Christ or the importance of using icons in worship was not only acceptable, but an act of service to Jesus. Is this the behaviour of people trying to emulate Jesus' way? Or people becoming so fanatical about a narrow view of truth that the ends somehow justify the means? Teach me your truth, yes, but let's not forget about the way. My conclusion is that truth without love can be a very arrogant and destructive force. Maybe we'd all learn more truth if we first committed to learn God's way in Jesus. The example of Jesus was a way of love and service that was willing to give everything to the point of death. If we could only learn this way, we would become more like the one who claimed to be the way and the truth and the life. And it's his example that we remember now as we eat bread and drink wine. As we come from Tom's words towards sharing bread and wine together to remember Jesus, let's sing together that song from Praise the Lord 86. Um, I'll put the words up on the screen as well if you've not got the book in front of you. Let's ask... God to cut through all the distractions and the compromises we make, to come before him with an undivided heart as we remember Jesus in sharing bread and wine. 
as Tom's reminded us, it's about having a different perspective on the word of God. And there is no more profound example of a different perspective of, on the word of God than the man who was himself the word of God. And here's how Paul describes that change of perspective. The message of the cross is sheer folly to those on the way to destruction. But to us who are on the way to salvation, it is the power of God. Scripture says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the cleverness of the clever. Where is your wise man now, your man of learning, your subtle debater of this present age? God has made the wisdom of this age look foolish. As God in his wisdom ordained, the world failed to find him by its wisdom, and he chose by the folly of the gospel to save those who have faith. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom. But we, we proclaim Christ, nailed to the cross. And although this is an offence to Jews and a folly to Gentiles, yet to those who are called, Jews and Greeks alike, he is the power of God and the wisdom of God. So we remember the word of God our Lord Jesus and his body broken as we share bread together and David is going to come and lead our thanks for that. Our Father in heaven, we, we bow our heads humbly before you now as we give thanks for this bread. Father, you have given us this time together. You have given us this bread that we can remember the broken body of your son. Father, as we think of that, we are humbled by the love that was shown that your son who gave his whole life to your ways, would then give up that life that we, we who are sinners, might have hope. Father, this is a blessing. And as we take this bread, we will remember him. We will think about him. We will think about how much he is part of our lives and we, we will seek to do better. Such a simple thing, Father. Such a simple gift. And yet, it means so much to us. So, Father... We thank you now for this bread and give our thanks through your son's name. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body. And now we give thanks for the wine that we share. Dear Lord God, our Heavenly Father, we come to the 
time of our service now where we will take a sip of wine that reminds us of the shed blood of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who reveals your love for us in a perfect life. We are reminded of our value and our worth to you, our Father. The life and the death of your Son. We are reminded that through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness for our sins. Because you are a loving and a gracious Father. So, Lord, as we sit now, as we reflect on who we are and what we have done, as we seek forgiveness for the things that we have done, as we repent for our failings, help us to accept the forgiveness that you grant us. Build us up, Lord. Cleanse our consciences. And fill us with your Spirit, that we may reflect the beauty of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Tom reminded us, and the psalmist prays to God, Teach me your way. And as we bring our worship to a conclusion this morning, I'd like us to sing to each other and for ourselves a blessing for that way, wherever this day, next week, our time ahead takes us. Go peaceful in gentleness through the violence of these days. God speed you, God lead you, and keep you wrapped around his heart. May you be known by love. And after we've sung that together, Steve will pray for us and bring our service to its conclusion. Loving Father, we come here, many of us, every week. And we listen to your word. And we sing songs of praise and paraphrase. And too often it can wash over us. We get a sense of comfort from being with those we know and in a familiar surrounding doing something that we have done for many years. But I know for me, Lord, sometimes it doesn't puncture my heart, change my behaviour, help me to turn around and truly repent. And our lives like Tom and Mary's, are full of distractions and other things that can crowd out and take over everything that you have told us. And yet you offer release from that through your son Jesus. Ultimately, everything that we do here is a gift of freedom from the shackles of the world that we exist in.
And I pray, Lord, that you will help us to take what Tom's talked to us about today and the thoughts that Richard's left us with and the prayers and the readings and the songs that we've sung and help to write them on our hearts that we'll be known by love. Amen.